0: God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe has already been condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And the Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the essence. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, another of the Holy Spirit. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit is all one, the glory equal, the mystery co-eternal. What a boring way to start off a homily, right? But this statement of belief from the, what is known as the Athanasian Creed, which is one of the early Christian creeds, states the very central mystery that we celebrate in a special way today on this Trinity Sunday. That God is three persons and one God. Three persons, one nature. And that the deepest mystery, the mystery that defines our faith, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, stands out and we are to focus on today. And it is indeed the reality that each of us were initiated into the faith. It is the central and the first thing that we ultimately do as Christians, which is what? We are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The first thing we are given, the washing away of our sins, is the indwelling of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It is by that very act that we become children of God, that we are initiated and given God's own life, which is the mystery of God's existence, God's essence as a trinity of persons. And I think whenever we look at the trinity, the only thing that you can really say is that it's a mystery. Really, words fall short. Many saints, many theologians have spilled oceans upon oceans of ink trying to explain the mystery of the Trinity. And even what I just read you is a short segment of what is a very long creed trying to explain the distinctions, the mysteries, the very particular little twists and turns that we have within the reality of the Trinity. And I think, though, that what we can glean from the Trinity are perhaps, and obviously there's many more than this, but three things that as I was praying upon the mystery of the Trinity this week that we can perhaps glean from this great feast day that kicks off ordinary time. And I think the first thing that I always come back to again and again is that God as Father, as Son, and as Holy Spirit shows us that God loves relationship. He loves communion He is within himself a communion, a relationship of love. He loves friendship, and even within his own life, within his own existence, outside of the way in which he loves us, even within himself he is a mystery of love. He is a communion of Father, Son, and Spirit. He is one who shows us the very mystery of love itself as a giving of self, even within himself. And is this mystery of a communion of love that is so marked? Because then that moves us into what I think is the second point and the second very truth that falls from the Trinity namely, that God's love overflows. It is something that He can't contain, it's something that spills outside of Himself. In the same way that whenever a husband and wife, their love, comes to fruition, comes to completion in what? A child, a new creation. Ultimately, the love of spouses overflows into the creation of a child. In the same way, whenever we look at the book of Genesis, we see God pour out himself into creation. And in fact, St. Augustine defines that the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, and the love that exists between them is the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit is this creating force. Obviously, the Father and the Son are both acting, but even we see in Genesis that the Spirit hovered over the waters. Ultimately, God creates as an overabundance, an overflowing of his love, an expression of his love. But yet, even the universe and its hundreds of billions of stars, of galaxies cannot contain the mystery of the Trinity. And I think even in a more unique way, each and every one of us, you, me, each and every person that has existed and will exist, is a result of the thought of God, of the Trinity, a result of the communion of love between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit you were thought up in the mind of God before you ever existed. You are something precious, unique, and unrepeatable in his sight. To repeat the words of, that were rather profound, one year on retreat from a priest, there was something in each of you, in me, that delights God in a way that no one else can. You have something that no one else does. And that in itself is an expression of a particular mystery that you express of the Trinity, particular in the mind of God. And that love of God overflows into you, into your creation, into who you are at the core of your being, which is a beloved son or daughter of God, unique and unrepeatable in his sight. But I think this love is not just merely something that's perhaps reckless or chaotic Or just whatever we want it to be. And I think that leads into the third truth, which kind of puts these other ones in perspective, helps us to live it out. Because I think so often we treat love and hear phrases like, love is love, especially in this Pride Month, that we think love is just whatever our feelings are, whatever my particular passions happen to be, whatever I want. But as I stated earlier about the very reality of the Trinity itself, of God himself, is that love ultimately looks outside of ourselves. Love is not selfish. Love is kind. It is patient. It is generous. Right? All those were at every wedding we hear that reading, right? From the first letter of Corinthians, from St. Paul. Love is a powerful reality, but it is not a chaotic one. Love and the Trinity demands order. God is not 50 million persons. It's just, Trinity is not just the way that He chose to express Himself. It is who He is. Three persons and one God, co-eternal, co-equal, co-powerful, co-loving. We want to turn love into simply permitting others to do whatever the heck they want. We want to turn love into reality that just simply is permissive or at best perhaps just indifferent to others around us. But the reality of love is something much more powerful. As I talked about the outpouring of love and creation itself, but the most powerful act of love, and if love is for what love is that for which we were created? It's the reason why we exist, and it's what ultimately makes us happy in the end. But yet, love is now pouring. Love is a giving of oneself. It's a sacrificial aspect. We get caught up in eros, love—that is, love of passions, of emotion, infatuation. But the greatest form of love is known as agape. And that love stands at the very center of our church on the cross in which Christ poured out his blood for you and for me to wash away our sins but to also bring us unstained into eternal life and to a relationship with him to restore that was, what was broken by our sin so we might become his friends, so we might be united more closely to him. Without the cross there is no baptism. Without baptism the, whole, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, does not dwell in us. And so, for love to be love, it needs to be generous. It needs to go outside of itself. It needs to be giving and sacrificial. And ironically, that is what we are afraid of. That is what we think will make us unhappy, but it's quite the opposite. It is only whenever we give of ourselves that ultimately, truly, we are fulfilled. Pope Benedict's, much of his theology is based around this idea that by going outside of ourselves, we can receive more. In St. Paul's letter to the Romans, he tells us that the love of God has been poured into our hearts, and indeed it has. It was poured into our hearts at our baptism. It was poured into our hearts at our confirmation. It was poured into our hearts if we receive, if we participate in that sacrament of marriage holy orders. But most especially, it's poured out into our hearts when we receive him worthily in holy communion. But then that love cannot be contained. It is not something that then we cling to and treasure as though we're clutching pearls to our chests. It has to be given. It has to be dispersed. It has to be returned. Even to the God himself who gave it to us. God wants us to give, wants us to give him our hearts. Ironically, the heart that he himself created and gave to us. God's love has been poured into our hearts. The Trinity is the mystery of that love because it shows that God is a communion of love within himself. It shows that his love overpours into our creation, but also it overpours into our salvation, which is what we should want for each and every person. not for them to simply love whatever, whoever they want in whatever way they want. But instead, what should be affirmed in us is that we are beloved sons and daughters by our baptism. What ultimately God demands of us in love and what love demands of us is to order our lives, to sacrifice, to give for others, to draw them and what we should want for each and every person, what I want for each and every one of you, what I want for each and every parishioner, whether they're in the church or outside, is to be in friendship with Jesus Christ, to receive his salvation, to participate in his love. That is what love is. Love is to will the good of another and the greatest good that we can give to each other, give to ourselves, give to our spouse, our children, our family members, our friends, those in our community, is friendship in Christ, salvation in Him, restoration of all things in Christ. And even at Mass, we participate in that reality. Whenever we share in Mass, yes, it is an expression, and we participate in Christ's life. But the interesting thing is that we participate in Christ's worship of the Father. And we're enabled to do so by the Holy Spirit. You see, the Trinity itself is present here, even at Mass. We started off in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Whenever one person of the Trinity acts, whenever Jesus acts in the world, he tells us that he did nothing without his Father's consultation, without his Father's power. Whenever Jesus acts, the Father acts, the Spirit acts. When the Holy Spirit acts, the Son and the Father act. And when the Father acts, the Son and the Spirit also act. They're united of one heart and love. And we too, as his body, are called to act as one. Called to move the whole of creation, our marriages, our families, our communities, our parishes, our family parishes, ultimately into that one act of worship that act of salvation, that we participate in again and again here at Mass. So today, reflect upon the gift that has been given to us in the Trinity, the gift that dwells in your soul by nature of your baptism. Ask the Lord to inspire in you a deeper understanding of what that means, that the Godhead dwells within you, within me, with each and every one of us, that he desires for each and every one of us to become better friends of his, and to make the reality of the Trinity, which is ultimately an act of salvation and love, present to all we meet.